0: This is on the left side, the alternative football show. The first thing um, all Liverpool supporters should forget quite soon um, is the price. Happy New Year, happy Christmas and happy to be back with our regular romp through the world of football funny. If you're listening via a new sparkly festive Christmas present, then don't forget, hit subscribe to our show however you get your podcasts, and you'll get the new podcast whenever they come along, and you'll never miss a dose of alternative football news like this. It's great Christmas, isn't it? I think what I like most is the tradition of the whole thing. Those moments during the festivities, that if they weren't there, it just wouldn't feel like Christmas, would it? Opening presents, sitting down for a great big family meal, and of course, Jose Mourinho blaming everyone else when things go wrong. Yeah, results didn't quite go the way of United during this festive period, and Mr Mourinho wheeled out that old after-dinner family favourite, the blame game. In fact, the blame game would be a great idea for a TV show. Hello, and uh, welcome to The Blame Game, the game where the only rule is never let the buck stop with you. Today, we have Jose Mourinho trying his luck. Hello there, Jose. You shouldn't be with the microphone in your hand. (laughs) Ha ha ha, that's what my agent always says. Anyway, let's get on with the game. First question to you, Jose. Who was at fault for your disappointing draw with Leicester City? I think lack of maturity because uh, I cannot stop the game and to give a team talk. So we had childish decisions in front of goal. You say player maturity? It's good! One point to you, Jose. Next question. Who was at fault for United's 0-0 board draw with Southampton last week? One of the most promising young referees, not just in England, in Europe too. (laughs) Had a, a very bad decision that punished us. I watched in the touchline, and in the touchline, it looked for me very clear. So I think we deserve to win. The, we deserve to win the match. You're saying the referee, and it's a good answer. Well done. Another points on the board for you, Jose. Final question: The 2-2 with Burnley at home. Who, who was to blame for that result? We are in the second year of trying to rebuild a football team. Manchester City, they buy fullbacks for the price of the strikers. <laughs> you know? You also spend money as well. OK. OK. It's not enough. It's not enough. Ah, uh, financial backing. It is a classic answer and it is worth another point on the board. Well done, Jose. A clean sweep for you. That is three points. But let's face it, you probably should have had nine. So the winner is Manchester City. Better luck next time, Jose. It's an interesting argument, isn't it? That Manchester United have lacked the financial clout to really compete this season. And whilst yes, you could choose to believe that the £280 million pounds Spent by Jose Mourinho in his time at Old Trafford puts his team at a distinct disadvantage when compared to the £380 million spent by Pep Guardiola. But then you could also argue that if you compared it to the spending of United's Christmas time opposition of Southampton, who spent £35 million in the summer, Leicester City, who spent £55 million, and Burnley, who spent £36 million, but actually made money with player sales. You'd probably expect United to compete with those teams, right? Because I think all those clubs would probably argue that 300 million quid spent on players should definitely be enough. Speaking of spending, first blood of the January transfer window has gone to Jurgen Klopp, who spent a wallet groaning £75 million on Virgil van Dijk, who completes the most protracted transfer of all time by finally signing on the dotted line for the Scousers and sealing his escape from Southampton, all whilst becoming the world's most expensive defender. It's really interesting that Jurgen Klopp should choose to spend £75 million on a player. Sure, given the current state of Liverpool's defence, they probably need to spend the GDP of Switzerland to actually fix the problem. But this is coming from a man who, not two years ago, suggested that he would happily walk away from football if spending £100 million on a player became the norm. Obviously, now that Klopp is happy to throw money around like Cristiano Ronaldo in a tanning salon, his stance on spending big bucks has softened slightly. I can imagine that people think, wow, what a, what a number. But of course, for me, it's not really interesting. We don't make the prices. He also said he doesn't like to throw money around, which is a statement I'm not entirely sure he can back up. I mean, those new teeth look pretty pricey to me. But it does go to show that if you behave like a four-year-old for long enough, then everyone around you will eventually just give in and sell you to Liverpool. I'm glad it's over. This transfer saga has dragged on and on and on. It's been going on long enough to be a J.R. Tolkien book. Ah, yes. Master Bilbo van Dyke. You must go on a quest to the dangerous land of Liverpool, where Lord Klopp has built his empire. There you must seek out your precious pay packet and try and stop the Red Horde from conceding any goals. It's an impossible mission. I I wish you luck. You shan't succeed. In fact, in the time it's taken for this transfer to go through, you could have actually watched the whole of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, read all the books, Grown a beard as impressive as Gandalf's, watched every episode in a friend's box set and done an Open University degree. Which funnily enough, is exactly what Vincent Kompany's been doing. The Man City defender has gone back to school and has just completed his business master's degree at Manchester University, which is pretty impressive. And at least we now know he's got a massive brain to fit inside his massive head. Although I can't help thinking that given how much football he's been playing of late, he could have helped the club in maybe some other way by doing a more suitable degree. Tax accounting in the Cayman Isles, perhaps. There's been a lot of glowing reports about his achievements, and rightly so, and the stories seem to focus on how impressive it is that Vinny has managed to fit in his studies around his playing commitments. But, to be fair, I think if the only thing that I had to do was play 20 minutes of football every four months or so, then I'd be able to fit in a degree or two too. But if it's good news stories you're after, then for me it was two footballing icons really getting into the Christmas spirit this year and thinking of other people other than themselves. The riches of the game are best described as obscene nowadays and it's just nice that there were a couple of moments this year that kicked back at the self-obsessed, greedy nature of the sport for once. First up it's Jeff Stelling who responded to a jokey suggestion from the Soccer Saturday panel that he should be up for a New Year's honour. With this... Square kick in the man's knackers. The New Year's Honours should not go to someone for doing their job well and being paid for it. They should not go to the rich and famous. They should not go to sportsmen or women for simply winning something. They should not go to political cronies. They should go to ordinary people for doing extraordinary things in terms of charity or heroism or uh, terrific community work. And those are the people who should get OBEs and MBEs, and not me, and not a lot of the people who are on that list today. Yeah, back on. Their end of the (laughs) lesson. Jeff Stelling, voice of the people, and voice of those terrible Skype adverts, but mostly voice of the people. Although when he was talking about who shouldn't get a gong, I did partly expect Paul Merson and Phil Thompson to chime in with, yeah, and none of those funny foreigners either. Normally football and politics don't really mix, but this season we seem to have made an exception because it was also Sam Allardyce who stepped up in the worthy stakes and decided to use his Everton press conference to turn attention to those less fortunate than himself. It was extremely depressing that a country of this magnitude could allow so many food banks to be operating in this country. I think is is going back to the dark ages to allow that to continue. It's not only allowing it to continue, it's growing at a rapid pace where people who are in work, not just on benefits, cannot afford to live at a decent level and have to go to a food bank to feed themselves and their children. I think it's incredibly sad. I think it's a disgrace. I mean, if there's one topic that's going to get Big Sam going, it was always going to be food. But in all seriousness, I love Sam for doing this. It's a massive, shameful issue. And it would have been much easier for Sam, a man who clearly enjoys the finer things in life, like a Chinese buffet and a pint of Pinot Grigio, to avoid any comparisons between the excess of money and riches in the game and the plight of others at the other end of the scale in this country. He could have just avoided the topic altogether. And that might have been easier for him. But there he is having witnessed first-hand the issue and doing his best to bring it into the public consciousness. Well played, Sam. Well played. It's the kind of connection with the general public that will one day, I'm sure, make him a great choice for England map Oh, hang on. Oh, fuck. Okay, so he's not going to be the England boss anytime soon. Again, anyway. So maybe we need to find Sam another figurehead-type role. For me, what he said connected far more to my sensibilities than those provided by our monarch as we digested Christmas dinner. Next year, how about we just give Sam the gig? Stick him in front of the TV cameras, gravy down his shirt, swigging from a bucket of post-dinner sherry, ruddy-cheeked and swearing, but telling us exactly what's what, where we're going wrong in this bloody country and how it can all be fixed with a solid defensive base and hoofing it up to the big man. Adios! That is it for another week. If you're new to on the left side, welcome to the family. It is nice to have you on the team. Hit subscribe now so you never miss another episode, unless you hated what you just heard, in which case, sorry. I'll be back on Monday morning before you go to work with the next show, and I'll see you then. Bye-bye. On the Left Side is written and produced by Ant McGinley and Jim Salverson for Abrupt Audio.